Welcome, everybody, to a Friday edition of Texans All Access. An eventful day here on Friday the 13th. Ooh, and no, we will not on this show look back at the horror of football at Energy Stadium on Friday the 13th. We will not do that. That's not going to happen tonight. We're going to talk about good things tonight. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, joined by the man who wanted to do the horror on Friday the 13th, Mark Vandermeer, the voice of the Texans, but we no, figured no. it was going to be a long show. Listen, I said, you know, we could do like the the most horrifying moments. Oh, no. But I don't want to do that. I'm in a good mood. I'm fired up. The yeah. schedule came out last right. night. Rookie camp. Right. I don't want to do the most horrifying moments. We talk about that sometimes. Actually, we talk about that a lot anyway because <laughs> they come up in conversation when we're talking about some of these opponents. Right. But we're not going to do that tonight. Good. We are going to talk about schedule because we – Got off the air at 6.55-ish, and the schedule went live at 7. So we have yet to opine on that. So we're going to do that in the next segment. And then Drew Doherty had a chance to catch up with Lovey Smith to talk specifically about the schedule that we will have in the final segment. But Mark and I had an opportunity today after the first day of rookie mini camp or orientation, if that's what you want to call it. With the head ball coach himself, Lovey Smith, we had a good time talking to Coach, and we wanted to know the vibe of today with the rookies. Coach, thanks a lot for joining us. Fresh off rookie camp day one. What is the most important thing or some of the more important things to accomplish during rookie camp? Uh, number one is just to get it started. And before we can start evaluating guys and see who's going to play for us and all that, just teaching them you know, the Houston Texan way of how we do things. I really did have to, you know, point guys in the direction of the practice field, starting off with that. And things like, you know, as you're coming in here, being on time, you know, our team goals and how they're going to integrate in with the rest of our veterans. But today it was about us getting on the football field, getting a look at them physically a little bit. And the first step is for us is just to see, get a baseline of where they are. So we have testing to see exactly where they are. So from there, we start teaching them, you know, drills, you know, and in meetings. Like right now, they're getting ready to go back into meetings the rest of the night, just trying to catch them up with what we do offensively, defensively, special team. Coach, one of the hardest things when you have a group of young players or people that are new to a situation is understanding when they don't know. And they'll give you that look like, you know what you're doing? Yeah, I know. But you know they don't know. As you go through this process with them, how do you kind of overcome that where you look at a kid you can tell, okay, he's – He's not gay. He's telling me he is, but he really isn't getting it. How do you kind of reinforce those lessons of what that player, you want to see that player end up with this weekend? Well, starting off, this is exactly what you said. We know that he doesn't know. So <laughs> we're going to initially start teaching him that way, starting back from the basics. And uh, day one, uh, first day, you know, the genesis of everything that we do, we're going to start that way and just assume that they don't and because none do. The smartest guys, when you're coming in a totally different, you know, totally different system yeah. from what you've done, terminology, just so many things going on. That's why, you know, for me, I keep making reference to this being a, a, uh, a rookie orientation because camp-wise is saying that you're just out there competing hard and doing all that. That is not the case. We got to get them up to the starting line first before we can go from there. 
Well, I noticed on the roster, no quarterback in camp. So how do you do some of these drills? I know you have a lot of former quarterbacks on the staff all over the place, really, Coach. So take us through some of that when you have to throw the ball during this time. Well, I mean, you kind of answered the question a little (laughs) bit there. First off is we look at our roster. We have four quarterbacks in our program right now. Right. So to bring another one in just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And to be able to be able to go through drills and the limited amount of stuff that we're doing this camp, we do have some old quarterbacks, probably about uh, four. We have four former quarterbacks. And if you know any anything about coaches, they never think that they can't throw the football. <laughs> they think that they played their last game yesterday. Yeah. So, uh, but that's how we handle it, and it uh, works pretty good. Coach, you have gone through rookie mini camps over the years. Has there, has there been any significant change from when you started doing it to where it is now? Or is it just the same sort of thing as you talked about? It's more about just getting orientated, oriented to the building, to the people, to the coaches, et cetera. That's the part that I think has changed a little bit. There was a time when mini camp was at. We would bring in, you know, whatever, enough to have two teams, and that's all you did out there. Yeah. By the time – those guys made it to the veterans Monday. They were all beat up and all of that. <laughs> yeah. Pull muscles and all those things. So I think we, we try to handle it a little bit, yep. uh, a little bit wiser with what we do now. And uh, there is time. And the, what allows them to catch up the quickest is not that out there. It's more in the classroom yep. and those things like that. You have an idea with most of the guys on how they're going to fit in uh, in our program this year. So that's what we try to get accomplished. How hard is it for a tryout player to make it in this particular kind of situation, Coach? You mentioned that you've had tryout players before who have flourished, but it's got to be difficult out there right now because you are somewhat limited in what you can do. Yeah, but we had well, – there's different segments to practice, though. Mm-hmm. We had some, uh, you know, tests going on here. And then we had more of a mini camp practice over here with some of our tryout players, okay. video and all of it. So we, we got a chance to see what you would normally see in a workout. Okay. You go out on a college workout, just think about that a little bit. We put some of the guys through something similar to that, and we feel like we'll get a good enough look to be able to tell. Coach, how was it going out on the road? I know you and I had talked when we were at A&M together. How was it going out on the road? And I, I, I talked about it afterwards that I just got the sense that no matter what was going on, if football was involved, it didn't matter. You, you were just excited to, to be there and to take it all in. Was that kind of the feeling you had as you went to different schools and checked out and talked to these different prospects? Absolutely. And if you just go on campus, you find out so much. Yeah. And I have been doing it a while, and just about every place I go, there's someone I know fairly well that can give me the real scoop. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. of course, that was, uh, you know, former guys at A&M that I recruited back when I was in college, yeah. of course, just to have a relationship with. So that as much as – that's a part of the process as much as anything, just trying to get – as much information as you possibly can. You know, what they do on the football field, you kind of see that you have video an awful lot. Yeah. It's the other things that we're, that we're kind of looking for a little bit, and we're able to do that every time you step on a campus. Coach, here we are in rookie camp, but what can you tell us about what you're seeing from your veterans right now this time of year? I know you're spending some time on the field, getting to see them. And what can you do with the new CBA? Because things are a little bit different. We had COVID two years ago. Last year we were coming out of it. What can you do out there? How is it different? Well, a lot more, I'm, and I'm kind of basing it on last year. Last year, yeah. you know, we had COVID. There were so many restrictions on what we could do. And we really didn't get that much work done in the off season. This year has been com- the complete opposite. Okay. Since I think about uh, April uh, 11th 
was it April or March? It seemed like forever, forever. all right? When we started, we've been able to do so much more. So we're farther along for sure this year. And for the most part this week, I think we had everyone in the building sometime this week mm-hmm. and for voluntary workouts. So that in itself, voluntary workouts and everyone is showing up. And we haven't had everybody there every day throughout, but for the most part, we've had everybody there. And every day you come in the building, you just letting our coaches uh, coach you up. So we're a lot further ahead, this veteran group that we have, and that should be the case. Coach, you talked about having rookie meetings last night. But I'm sure I am a thousand percent positive you were waiting with bated breath to see what the 2022 schedule was going to be. Is that correct? I know you're not. I'm, j- I'm joking in that. I'm sure you had other things to do. But I'm sure you took a look at it at some point just to get a gauge of it. But I know we've been breaking it down. What do you think when the schedule came out? You look at it and go, okay, good, done. Let's go back to work. No, no. Exactly how you presented it to start off is exactly how it happened. Um, I We had – Rookies in. Yep. It was a welcome meeting last night for the rookies. But, yeah, I was excited about the schedule. Yeah, We wanted to see. And to me, as a coach, you always talk about, all right, it's just that next game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right? And I know what kind of fans we have here. Yeah. You know, I know about the traveling uh, Texans and when looking at the first road game going yep. to Denver. And, of course, just getting out here to NRG Stadium. So I was anxious to see. And for us – have an opportunity uh, to have to start at home with a division opponent. Yeah. Think it ain't better than that. Yeah. And with the team, all right. If you need some more motivation, you know, getting ready in the for the fall and the first game. I mean, we have it. Yeah. They dominated us last year. Uh, dominated us. Uh, you know, talked about us on the uh, on the Hard Knock Show and yeah. everything else. So. Yeah. Uh, that should motivate us a little bit. Along those lines, would you ever want to do hard knocks? Uh, not necessarily. Okay. <laughs> I think you probably know me well enough. To yeah. know. Uh, I think the more you keep things inside, but it's it's, yeah. it's good TV. Yeah. In your press conference, you talked about, hey, if this was 2004, I might something I might say something different about the rookies than I'm saying right now. Uh, the evolution of being a coach and what you learn along the way. I know that's a wide open conversation, but you must be seeing so many things throughout the course of this spring, even that you might have adjusted as time goes on. I think it's safe to say that okay. uh, things have changed and you have to change too. And I feel like I have, but um, everything is just kind of out there. We, we're talking about hard knocks, but everything there's mm-hmm. very seldom is there anything seem like uh, things stay within. Uh, as much as they do, social media has just changed everything also. So you have to adjust a little bit. So those things have changed. But the core of what football has always been has not changed, hardly at all. And just dealing with players I don't think has changed. And, and what they want, uh, they want you to teach them and show them. And they'll do whatever you ask them to do if they feel like you can help them that way. And that's what we're trying to do. I keep talking about our staff. We have an excellent uh, football staff here. And for you to continue this life of being an NFL player, and we have people in this building that can help you do it, guys buy into that. That was It was that way when I first got into the league, and, it's, and nothing has changed. Last time, Coach, you and I were together, I forgot to offer you congratulations. Miles had a, had a baby. Okay. You became a grandfather. I was wondering which way we were going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, congratulations on a lot of different levels. But you became a grandfather. You mentioned it in your press conference. Yes. That 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 changed you at all? I mean, how does that how's well, that how's that been so far? 
being uh, Grandpa Lovey. Well, it's been great, and uh, this is this was number nine. Oh wow! This was number nine, and uh, but number nine is just as special as number one. But that is great, and and of course, in Miles and Kara's uh, sake, their first child yeah. is pretty special, and the only grandchild that we have here in Houston with us. So uh, is neat. A part of my routine every Saturday morning as I drive out just to kind of watch her a little bit. Good grandfather, man. You're a good grandpa. <laughs> All right, every grandfather has got oh, – I know you don't have to share this. I was going to say. Every Go grandfather ahead. is not called grandpa or grandma. Oh, I like you. I'll share it too. What am I called? What are you called? I'm a papa. And I never thought – you know, papa seems older too. You know, you have grandpa – Granddad is kind of younger. Yeah, you, know, you think when so? When, I, that's what I think. But I when think you're Papa, Papa sounds good. that sounds like a guy with nine, and number ten is also on the way. So, but I'm Papa <laughs> to them. You know, my father-in-law is Papa. Thought we could. My my like wife's it. my wife's dad, Papa. I like it. I was gonna think Pop. That Pop was the one I was thinking. Pop I've got, is it. That's I've what got I'm one for. more for you, and this is very important. Based on the music that was playing in the practice field, <laughs> Here we go. Coach, uh, four tops or the Temptations. Which way are you going? Well, I mean, most people would say the temptations, and that's easy. I mean, more, uh, but the four tops is pretty hard to beat. The four tops, mm-hmm. but I, I would throw in the spinners, uh, Luther Van. I could go on and on with so many different. I, I almost think they're different eras, though. It's like the quarterbacks, mm-hmm. different eras. The spinners are a little well, bit later. The rules are different. <laughs> uh, they, they were, and it's amazing though. And I say that about rap music. I like mm-hmm. rap music also, but. Most of our players, when music starts, if you see one of us, they know the song. Or they've heard it. <laughs> yes. uh, it. Maybe it's a parent, you know, or maybe a grandparent right. that's listened to an awful lot, but it, it makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. It's kind of as simple as that. And, and on the practice, on the football field, I mean, we're feeling good. I mean, we're blessed yep. to be in this position, and it just kind of kick-starts it a little I bit. I always said, uh, if you're in a bad mood, earth, wind, and fire will always put you in a good mood. It Abs- never fails. Absolutely. <laughs> My neighbors would probably say something. I get up early in the morning, and uh-huh. music in our house you know, is turned on early. Nice. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to sit early. outside, listen in. Yes. <laughs> All right, Coach, thanks a lot for joining thanks us. Thanks for having me on. Mark, we could have talked to him for I don't know how long on music, on anything that wasn't <laughs> football. We could talk to him about any number of things. And I know you wanted to go another 15 minutes on music. You know, cool. I did. And look, you know, he went the spinners and the stylistics yes. and all these great 70s soul bands, which I think are different. I know the Motown label lived into the 70s successfully, maybe beyond that, into the yeah. 80s, of course. But, you know, Motown, you think of the 60s stuff, right? Uh-huh. That is the heyday of it. And I really believe that uh, – and I know Jackson 5 and everything came later. But I think, you know, it's hard to compare the eras in music. I just do. Classic rock to the 90s rock to whatever you have out there today to soul to R&B to disco. Did I say that? Disco? Yeah, disco. Yeah, there's some disco that's borderline soul too. Yeah, borderline. Yeah, absolutely. And no doubt. I'm all right with that. Yeah, and that's cool. Mm-hmm. We could talk to him for a while. Maybe we will. But that was great catching up with Lovey, and we'll hear him with Drew talking specifically about the schedule later. But speaking of talking about the schedule, Mark and I have not had a chance to share our thoughts about the 2022 schedule. We will do that next right here at Texans All Access. Here at Texans All Access. Here at Texans All Access. T-G-I-F. Yes, thank God it's Friday. We're here on Texans All Access. Celebrating, I guess, is the right way. The rookie minicamp kicking off today. I didn't see a lot. Got a, got a chance to see them warm up and run around a little bit, but didn't see a whole lot of it. 
But guys look good on the hoof. It's okay. It's cool. We saw it. But we'll be able to see them hopefully when they start OTAs with the vets. I next got a new week. segment. Harris hits on the hoof. Oh. All right. Because, okay, good. Give me a guy. All right. Let's go with Petrie. He's I interviewed him at the at the senior bowl. And I remember thinking, boy, he's taller than I thought. Because I thought watching him on film, he's 5'9, 5'10. But he's a legit 5'11", almost six feet. He was almost staring me right in the eye. I, he's put together a lot better than I than I expected. He was standing next to Stingley, and they looked about the same height. And I know Derek is six and a half, six one. You feel like he's got a bigger presence yes. than Tyron Matthew? Oh, well, you know, Matthew's. I should use a different word. Matthew's different presence player, yeah. is one of like six five. Yeah. His presence. <laughs> it was yeah. We were talking about that yesterday about how uh, our buddy Tyler Sutarth was pulling down pregame speeches. Yeah. And that man, all of 5'8", five, 5'9", five, got Larger in there. Larger than life. No fear. Yeah. And just every single play, it didn't matter who it was, was hanging on every word he I, said. I should use a different word than presence. That's a really bad mistake on my but I get, part. But I get your point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just yeah. the frame. Just bigger overall in the hoof. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So the two drafted offensive linemen, because there are others here, but when you look at Green and Deculus, my impression was these are large individuals the oh size of vending machines that can move. I've seen Kenyon Green many times. I mean, I've seen him many times. I mean, I saw him as pro day. And maybe it was just seeing him a little bit in, a, in the distance. Like, dang, he looks well put together. I, I can't wait to see him put the pads on uh, and see him bang on the inside. But Austin Deculus, too, wearing 76, which, of course, takes a second to kind of readjust the eyes. Thinking, yeah. Of a guy that we knew that for a long time, Steve, Steve McKinney, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, but Deculus has got the long locks, and he is big. I I hope they give him a shot at tackle, and I think it's where mm-hmm. he'll start. But I think he may transition into guard. But you know, I mean, Nick talked about it at the golf tournament. You know, you don't want you don't want to get away with the expectations. I mean, these guys are rookies; they haven't even been on campus yet. So I don't want to yeah. get in that perspective. But that's kind of what we do. I mean, we talk about that stuff. Right. So right. Um, I. He's he's well put together. He he moves better probably than I give him credit for, but I don't think it's going to be well enough to play tackle. But that's okay. If he can move in the guard, I'd be okay with that. He's a big dude. I mean, on the hoof, he is impressive. He is. And Johnny he is impressive. I, I, sometimes we make too big a deal out of what they did in college. But four-year starter for that program, yeah. that says something. You yeah. played a lot of football. You hung in there in a tough league. Yes. They had success. Uh-huh. So that is impressive to me. Okay, Mechie, what I noticed right away is no knee brace. Yes. Now, wasn't, wasn't doing the full workout that other players were doing. And we don't know. I, I, when, when Lovey was doing his press conference and the question of Mechie came up, I was like, man, I got to do the math on this. So that was December 5th or 6th that he got hurt in that game against Georgia. So that's January, February, March, April, May. We're just beyond five months. Yeah. And it's a torn ACL, and I know, I know players are getting back, but we're still talking probably you know another couple months to be really sure that he can go out and run and do all those kind of things. But we saw him kind of striding him out a little bit. And you're right, he didn't have a brace on. He was moving along. I, we've gone gotten so far with technology that – once the surgery's taken place, if there was no other damage, which for Mechie, I don't think there was, I think it was just a it was a torn ACL. There was not a PCL or MCL. Like Burrow, Joe Burrow had a torn ACL, but then he had the MCL and the PCL, I think, that were also hurt. 
So I think for Mets, it was just, just it was the ACL and only the ACL. And so I think the 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 return from that, I would say it's easier, but it's different, and I think it could be expediated a little bit. But we'll see. But you're right, not having the knee brace on now. Once they get into full contact stuff and they got pads on, maybe he'll mm. put one on, maybe not. Might be a good idea. I think so too. You play in four months. That's when the season opens. Right. And look, he's a rookie, so it's not like, oh, you just put him right in. Brandon Cooks, you put him right in there. Yeah. This is a little different. I just don't want it to be a lost season for Mechie. I want Mechie to be able to play, and if it takes a little longer to get him in there, fine. If it's a half season, great. I'll take it right now. I just don't want it to be a lost season, a redshirt year for him. Now, I'm only bringing this name up because I remember what happened as a rookie. That's the only thing. And, and, and really, as receivers, there's no comparison between the two. But you remember in 2014, OBJ, he missed the yeah. first seven weeks of the year. Yeah. And then he makes that catch against Dallas, and then all of a sudden he turns into this. And I, I guarantee if you ask people about that rookie year, they would say, oh, he had 100 catches, he had this, he had that. Like, no, he missed almost half the year. But they remember that big but catch. They, yeah, but you remember that catch, and you remember what he did that year, and he set it off. And so, you know, look, last year – Brevin Jordan on a different on a different level. Brevin Jordan got what active in week nine when we played the Rams. Whenever we played the Rams, Brevin got active. He missed the first six or seven games being inactive. He was finally active, I think, in week eight or nine. It was against the Rams, I and he started that. to do some things. And he started to do some things. And then after the year, you're really excited. Yeah. So you're right in that you don't want it to be a lost season, but let's say it happens that he's not ready for for week one, even. Week eight, week nine, you're still talking about half the season still left to play, and week eight or nine on the schedule is going to be, what, on into late October, early November? Yeah. So you still have half the season. If you get to you get to late November, mid to late November, you still have a lot of season to play. Oh, the at that way point. it is. So I don't think you're going to have a lost season with him as long as obviously the rehab continues along. Uh, and you don't want to rush it. There's no sense to rush it. There's no sense. There's no sense for the team to rush it, and there's no sense for him to rush it. Other years, other players, eh, you're like like Clowney coming back in 2015. That wasn't so much rushing him back, but he wanted Clowney to get back on the field. You know, you mm-hmm. wanted if it was an immediacy to getting him back on the field, and he worked his tail off to get back on the field in 2015. This is not that situation. Not at all. I don't think so. Mechie's just got to just get. Because he, again, another guy that looks good in the hoof. Not a tall guy, but he's thick. I mean, he's thick for. I mean, he's a good, right. solid six foot, one ninety five. I mean, he's he's going to be exactly what I think they want him to be. And whether he plays in the slot, moves outside, he goes starts in the backfield. There's going to be a lot of things he can do. Harris hits on the hoof. Triple H new segment. All right, because that's basically all we yeah. saw of these guys today. Right. Stingley. Oh, I like I like his look. I like his look. It's just you look at him and go, man, we haven't had corners that look like that, bro. Like, that was my first thought when I saw him. First of all, I love the number because I, I wore 24 in college, so that's my number. J. Joe wore it. So, you know, much respect to J. Joe. And now you're seeing Stingley wear it, and you're like, man. Looks he's good. He's impressive looking. Mm-hmm. I mean, really is. And, I mean, if he if he lives up to the to the billing. And I remember in 2019, we were struggling. We couldn't. I mean, Roby was doing okay on one side, but Conley was eh, all right in the other. But we really didn't have guys that could cover. And I remember watching, you and I were talking about this, came in and were like, man, I wish that kid from LSU could play for us tonight. <laughs> you know, yeah, I wish we could I have that, that guy. 
What, what is he being? What is he getting drafted this year? No, no, no. He's a true freshman, but he's he's tough. He can play. He can play, and well, now he's here. He he's impressive. He's an impressive looking guy. We actually were walking out last night, and we just happened to be walking behind him, and just, yeah, you see him, and you're like, that's not a frail, thin individual. He's just everything you really want a corner to look like. I mean, you and I've been down on the field. We stood next to you know Jalen Ramsey, and I'm not gonna tell you Stingley's Ramsey. Uh, I hope he turns into Ramsey. But just body-wise, body type, that's how Ramsey's built. Man, between Petrie, Ramsey, I mean Ramsey, Petrie, Stingley, yeah. uh, you look at Harrison, linebacker. I don't know about Booker on the D-line, but the additions oh. on the D-line. Can we go to Booker? Yeah, Booker, wow. physically, wow. Physically, you see. Yeah. And I thought that when I watched him at Stanford, too, he looks like he's put together. But when you see a guy without pads on, you're like, Man, he's he's built in. I say this a lot of times when people talk about defensive linemen or offensive linemen. There's some guys that will do the bod pod test. There's like this test that they can do to test body fat and body comp and all that kind of stuff. And so there are a lot of there are a lot of GMs around the league. There's one in particular I know for sure that you fail that bod pod test, like they're not even gonna look at you. And by fail it, I mean they just don't. You don't have the the uh, elite bod pod numbers if you don't have it right. you're out i think thomas booker would have elite bod pod numbers like he's thick legs but not you would look at him and think you're 300 pounds like you think he's thick but you're like he's 300 pounds yeah he's 300 pounds because it's it's proportional all through his body yeah. so he's pretty impressive i'm really curious how they plan on using him this year and again as a rookie and there's a lot. We talked about defense line. There's a lot of depth. A on lot of line. different directions you can go. Yes, I mean with the three guys they've added with Rasheem Green, Mario Addison, and Jerry Hughes. Gosh. Those three added to Jenkins and Grenard. I keep forgetting about Green. Yeah, and then Green can go inside outside. Then you got Roy Ross and Malik on the inside for right now. You got Michael Duom four on the inside. Um, I forgot Derek Rivers on the outside. I mean, you got a lot of you got a lot of bodies on the D line. So where does Booker fit in? And obviously he's a draft pick, so he's going to get a long look and they were impressed he's an impressive dude i'm just curious how they plan on using him mm-hmm. um in this particular season and so he can get his feet wet so they can see what they have with him and that's a position i feel like they've definitely stocked the they've stocked the cupboard with some with a lot of d-line bodies and so hopefully they can find a good six to seven um that you can rely on. I mean, they'd like to get up to eight, but I don't want to get greedy. But you can get six to seven guys that you can rely on in a rotation throughout the year because that's – and I want to say that's the way we do them. Obviously, it's the way the, the Texans do it. It's the way a lot of teams are doing it. The Buffalo Bills do that. And a lot of teams playing 4-3, they're doing that. I mean, there's no team that lets their defensive linemen out there for 80 to 85% of the plays in a game. They just don't. It's just not what they're doing. That's not what they're doing anymore. Things I'm rooting for to not happen – with the tryout guys, boy, I can't say this about him because, you know, he's a guy trying to make the team. But Eric Dickerson is a long snapper from Arizona State. <laughs> if we have a long snapper, and it would break my heart if somebody replaced Weeksy. Right. And if his name was Eric Dickerson, yeah. that just sounds weird if I have to say Eric Dickerson with the long snap. It just sounds weird, Johnny. It does. He's reinvented it, his career pushing 60 as a long snapper. It does sound weird in some sense, but... Of the tryout, of the tryout guys, if I remember correctly, there are two long snappers and two kickers. Yes. So there are four guys in that group of the eight or nine that they ended up bringing for tryouts, and 
And I know people that try like, what's that try? What what's that all about? You're essentially trying out. You're doing in some cases a full practice workout. In some cases, you're doing a different modified workout so the scouts can take good evaluation on you. And then there's also well, how many of these tryout guys are we going to sign? Do you sign any? I remember Corey Moore was a tryout player. Yep. Um, Chris Thompson, the very next year, oh, yeah. was a tryout player who ended up making the, making special teams and then got a lot of reps of receiver against Tennessee in 2017. So there have been there have been players over the years that have come through that tryout process and ended up getting an opportunity, going to camp, fighting their way on the special teams, and then finding their way on defense. I mean, Corey Moore started. Either because the year he got on was 15, so like 16, 17, he was starting at certain points. So Lovey mentioned a player today that he didn't say the name, he but didn't that say the was name. a tryout guy that ended up starting for him. Nick Casario told us about Malcolm Butler. Yeah, it happens. Right, trial players sometimes make it. So we'll see. All right, so we'll see. That's Ricky Camp. We'll talk more about it next week when it's in the books. What about the schedule? Yeah, let's talk about the schedule a little bit. I know you and I had a chance to look at this. We, we in fact, stayed in here afterwards to take a look and go through. Yeah. First thing that stood out. I mean, the first thing we always look for on a schedule, I'll tell you the first thing I look for is primetime games. Yeah. And I knew there was a possibility that we weren't getting many, but I saw Thursday night, and I kept thinking, in my mind, if we have a primetime game, it's going to be Thursday night. A, hopefully it's at home. B, hopefully it's not a division game. Every the Thursday night games we've played a lot of them in the division. Most of them the Colts I can think of. Um, I think it's been all the Colts I can think of. But we had the one at Cincinnati. Jags Thursday night in 2013. I want to forget about that. Yeah, one. that's oh boy, that's a that's a bad yeah, one. That's a bad one. Colts 14, Colts 15, Colts 19, Colts 19. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a lot of times with the Colts. So when I saw it was the Eagles, I was like, oh cool, all right, a little different. I mean, you're playing NFC East, so you only see them every four years. But then you're seeing them on a Thursday night. So seeing the primetime game, and then the second one is the bye week. And I went, eh, dang it, it's week six. Eh, I would have liked it a little bit A little later. early. It's a little early. But you know what? We've had a lot of luck with the bye week yeah, so over I the course of the last many years. That. Unfortunately, not able to capitalize the way you'd want to, but you'll take it, and you just have to deal with this. Yeah, and that's why I was like, okay, I'm not going to get greedy with that. It's week six. You'll get the bye week before the or after preseason. Then you'll play five weeks. You'll see kind of where you are, and then you get to the bye week, and then you'll have, at that point, 12 straight, and you just got to go. Now, you'll have the mini bye a few weeks after that, but then you're playing every single Sunday. Oh, you do play Saturday, Christmas Eve, against the Titans at Tennessee. But those are the first two things that stood out from that standpoint. Mark, after that, what stood out to you? Well, the opener, because you and I guessed it right. right we did. That was very right. cool to uh, pick Indy Ooh. that the team would open against at home. And I picked Chicago in week three. I got that right. That's amazing that got you got two. the week three I one correct. Yeah. So we each picked fu- the first five. Yep. And we each picked the same second game, too, but we were both wrong, at yep. the Giants, which will actually happen in November. Right. How about the New York Post leaking the Giants schedule yesterday? That's so <laughs> funny. But – all right, so the opener I noticed right away, primetime, yes. I go to the holidays, uh, always. The Christmas Eve date at Tennessee, okay, great, fine. Cold weather games, you really don't have it other than that Tennessee tilt, possibly. And you have Chicago in November, which could be iffy, but it's not going to be September. a big problem. Chicago in September. I'm sorry, what was I thinking? Oh, the Giants. Giants I was thinking November. New York yep. in November could be an issue, but yep. it shouldn't be too much of a problem. So 
weather will not be an issue for the Houston Texans this year in all likelihood. Now, as I say that, watch it snow in Denver in September <laughs> or Chicago, whatever. But I thought, look, it is what it is. Being on the road in weeks two and three feels like a lot, but you're going to have to have back-to-back road at some point yeah, in the schedule. Might as well. I like ripping off the Band-Aid of, of the Colts. I've always liked that. I'd kind of rather open with them up there, but I'll take this. Yeah. And I like hitting the Bears pretty early and Denver pretty early because they might not have their act together yet. Yes. You know, they have new head coaches, just like the Texans do, I know. But I think the Texans have a little bit of an edge because the staff has been here, a lot of the staff. Pep, even though he wasn't OC, he was here right. with Davis. Right. Lovey, defensive coordinator, he was here. They're used to Lovey. Yep. There's enough of a system and a program, as Nick Frank would call it, Frank in place. Yep. Frank was here where, yeah, you do have a new coach, but he was here. So you feel like there's some continuity from last year. Not that last year was a smashing success, but I think continuity helps. And the new players, you can assimilate them in a little bit easier. So I like going on the road to play those teams. I'm not so sure how the Russell Wilson thing is going to work out in Denver. We'll see, obviously. But I like, I'm not going to sit here. I like our chances at Denver. But I think a lot of people have just underestimated the potential. I'm not going to say the total performance eventually of this team, but the potential that this team has yeah. in 2022. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, after the bye week, you talk about weather. October 9th to Jacksonville could be steamy, but I can live with steamy. I can live with hot. Just the rain gets to be the problem. But after the bye week, the road games, at Las Vegas, inside. Giants November, it could be dicey. At Miami, in November, Miami. I'll take it. Yeah. At Dallas, inside. At Tennessee, and Christmas Eve can go either way. We've been there late in the year. We can go either way. And then at Indianapolis, and don't, inside. Yeah. So – I'm sitting there going, hmm, all right. I, I kind of like it. After four games in torrential downpours last year, my fingers are crossed that maybe we won't have four of the uh, six games that are outside. But getting Denver in week two, again, to your point, I don't know if it's you know, you know, something to, to completely cheer about, but the Broncos will be a different team in week 14 than they will be in week two. Yeah, I think Much every, everybody and will I like be. That. And you know we had the question second game as a head coach. Oh yeah, that's the thing about Denver with Russell Wilson. You have a first-time head coach. Whatever you think Chicago is going to do, you have a first-time head coach. I'm not saying it can't go well, Mm -hmm. but we've seen what happens. And I've said it. I don't know if I was on this show or we were on live on TV or whatever when I pointed out. Yeah, obviously Doug Peterson. We've talked about it when he was hired. This is an experienced guy with a Super Bowl ring. He knows what he's doing. Now I'm not so so sure the Jags. It's going to work out for them just great. But I don't like that hire from a Texans perspective one bit. Right. And let's look down the line here, Johnny. When I when I peer at this schedule, division games end the season. Three consecutive games in the division on the way out for the first time since 2015. In 2015, they beat the Colts, the Titans, and the Jags on the way out to win the AFC South for the first time in three years. If they do that again this year, they will have won the AFC South for the first time in three years. Chills. Look, Mm. this, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it could happen. 
Weirder things have happened, That's and true. it's great that you have those divisional games on the docket where you can directly affect your opponent's fate. Yep, no doubt. As long doubt. as they don't have too big a lead. No doubt. Well, a guy who we talked to earlier talked to Drew Doherty about the schedule specifically. That's Lovey Smith. That's coming up next on Texans All Access. We got one final segment of this edition of Texans All Access, a TGIF edition of Texans All Access. My baby girl, Ellie, right next to me, loves her some Lovey Smith, as I tweeted out earlier in the show. I love me some Lovey Smith, and so does Drew Doherty. Drew Doherty had a chance to catch up with Lovey to talk specifically about the schedule last night. Take a listen. Well, Coach, you were excited coming in about the schedule. You get to see it. What was your initial reaction when it all was in front of you? Like you said, just a lot of excitement. Been waiting, you know, in anticipation for this day. One of the most exciting days to me, you know, kind of in sports a little bit, and for us on this season, we, you know, we knew the opponents, but now to know exactly when, they, when we play them, I'm pumped. Of course, the guys will be pumped too. Yeah, right off the bat, you get the Colts week one here. That's happened a lot of times in this franchise's history. That's going to be a fun one to see. That's a good challenge right off the bat, isn't it? Yes, you know, right now, Drew, of course, we have all-season workouts going on and you're prepping for the season. But once you know who the first opponent is, everything we're going to do is about starting fast. And it's one thing to uh, get your opponent, but for it to be a division team too, a, di a division rival that, that dominated us last year. So that should keep us mo motivated, of course, uh, throughout. And that's what it's about, really, for us, as we start building our program about eventually taking back control of the AFC South. Uh, so what a better way to start off the season. Yeah, it's interesting you say that about taking control of the AFC South because you finish with a trio of each of the three opponents at the end of the season. How much do you like that aspect of the schedule this year? If you draw it up, um, if I had control of drawing it up, you want to start off, I mean, with the division opponent. And in the end, once the season plays out, when you're playing for it all, you want to play against the teams in your division. So it plays out well. You know, if us, you know, two of them, of course, would be on the road, but we like that part too. Then there's just so much more in. So I talked about, you know, the opening game and, you know, for our fans too, you know, offense, defense, special teams, they're pumped up. But our, our four phase, the fans, you know, for them to uh, get a taste of their team, to see exactly what we are. In order for us to complete this overhaul of our program, to get back and take control of the division. We can't do it with our fans at four phase. So I know they're going to be excited and pumped up for that opening game, and uh, we're going to show up too. No doubt. And then in December, you bring up the fans. You're wearing a battle red shirt. There's going to be a lot of battle red up when you play the Cowboys. As a Texan coaching the Texans, how big is that game for you? Man, it's big. There are rival games that you have, you know, in our division, of course, but when you when you have the two game you know the two professional teams in the state and in a state that prides itself on knowing about football great high school football here great college football and for the professional teams to meet up that way you know i grew up in east texas i watched a lot of cowboys games so that'll be a special game for us you look at our history i mean starting off right now i haven't been down here for a while drew but uh we open up, we started off against them, right? Our first game, first big win against them. No, that's a big game for us, and uh, I can't wait to get to it.
you play five games, and then you have a bye kind of early. What do you think about that? To me, any, um, whenever it comes, it comes. Um, you know that you're going to get a bye sometimes throughout. We knew, of course, it's going to be a Thursday night game throughout. So whenever, you know, we play three preseason games, five. So about eight games into, you kind of want a reprieve a little bit. So we'll take it that way. You had some great years in Chicago. You're going to see them early on in the season. What do you think that might be like? I know it's different asking you in May versus what it'll actually be like when you, you arrive there in, in October. But what do you think that's going to be like? That's special. You know, you spend that much time in a place. I mean, Chicago gave me my first opportunity to be a head football coach in the National Football League. A lot of great memories, great friends. I mean, we still have a place, you know, there in Chicago. It'll always be a part of our home. So uh, that'll be a special game for us. And um, I also like Drew playing it in September, you know, as opposed to November. I can do it out that cold a little bit. But um, and then just talking about road games before we go on the road there in the first game going to Denver. I know our traveling Texans are pretty excited, led by uh, Pamela Irby. I know they're going to show up in numbers and we're going to need them, starting with that Denver game going out there. The schedule where you get a chance to go to so many traditional stadiums and you know professional teams that we play. In order for us to complete this overhaul of our program, we need to be able to, to travel well on the road. Yeah, and you know, it doesn't hurt this season that you're going to so many cities that are just fun destinations for not just traveling Texans, but for anybody. No, true, and that's the beauty about a you know, 17-game season, and of course we have nine on the road this year. And some of the places, I, I think I've played in just about every stadium around except for the new ones. Las Vegas, of course, being one, so. But you can make a case there's some type of special backstory for everybody we play this coming season. No doubt. How important is it to play really, really well on primetime here in the home stadium? It's the one primetime game the Texans have. Yeah, and, and I understand that. Eventually, we want a lot of primetime games. In order for that to happen, we need to show up. So we need to start off fast, you know, as I said earlier. We need to travel on the road. But when we know. We know we're going to have a national audience then. And by then, we hope we're playing our best football also. And so that game will be important. You know, if you're going to play a Thursday game, of course you want to play at home first. And then where you don't have to travel at least. So we'll be ready for that too. Well, Coach, best of luck in between now and the start of the season. Take care. Thank you, Drew. There he is, Lovey Smith. A little bit with us, a little bit with Drew, and a lot for all of you, our Texans fans. Really appreciate it. Hey, looking forward to Texans care volunteer day tomorrow that's gonna be very cool you're gonna see texans and texas players texas cheerleaders all over the city helping out the city doing great things for the city so great thing going on tomorrow texas care volunteer day right here in houston the big thanks to lovey smith to mark vandermeer drew doherty uh to my man jp back in studio to all you listening appreciate you guys thank you so much we'll see you next time and as always go texans